this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Regardless of what you are going through, this is what God promises. You will get through it. You know, I remember days in my youth, I thought, I'm not going to get through this. Maybe you were never like that, but there were times in my life when trials were so great, I thought, this is going to surely take me out. And not one of them took me out. Took me to the brink, but couldn't throw me down. Yeah. And that's going to happen to you as well. That is your, that is your legacy. Yes, that is your legacy in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> you and I are, are living in very turbulent times. The Apostle Paul calls them perilous times, harsh times. That means that there are things that are going on that God certainly did not intend and that will push you to the very brink. They will, they will take you to the very precipice and it is as though you're going to be thrown away off that precipice. I was in Nazareth many years ago, maybe 25, well, even longer than that, about over three decades ago, I was in uh, Nazareth and I remember when I went to that uh, great precipice, that hill, and I looked down and I thought that was a long way down. And I thought that the people of Jesus today wanted to throw him down. God, God the Father is so amazing. He allowed those enemies to take Jesus to the very edge. To, to, I, I think it's, a, as, a, as it were, a test of faith. And that even Jesus went to the very edge. And the, the Father allowed him to get to the edge. And at the edge, Father says, just turn around, son. And he turned around, and they could do nothing about it. And that's where your enemies are. There's what God is doing in your life. They can't do anything about it. The devil can't do anything about it. Nevertheless, God requires a lot of us. God requires so much of us because he has done so much for us. God requires so much of us because he has given us so much. And I want you to know that you are, you are more than a match for those things that are coming against you. And even the things that God asks of you, our Father God asks of you, you're able to give you're able to give. Whatever God asks of you, you're able to give. I, my message today is my brother's keeper. I'm still in the, the love of God series because it takes the love of God to deal with the issues of life. My brother's keeper. Being our brother's keeper can result only through the love of God. There's no way that I can put up with all of the things in a person's life without the love of God. You know, I re remember as a boy, I would love to go pick what we call blackberries at the time, but they were actually dewberries. And we would go to pick these blackberries, and I enjoyed picking them so much, I dealt with all the little stickers that would get into my hand it, because the berries, I thought, were worth it. That's our brother. I remember going to pick berries and there were always some little varmints in the woods and they were always trying to get berries. They liked them too. They would, would come in and I would hear them and the little snakes, I would hear them and I had a stick for the snakes but I thought the berries were so important that I risked that for them and that's your brother. 
that's your brother. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. In this life, we have one primary objective, and that is to please God through Jesus Christ. That is, our primary objective is to please God through Jesus Christ. Paul says, Paul says, in Philippians chapter 4, verse, verse uh, 13, he says, I can do, I can do through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we're looking at the craziness of the world and even the craziness of our own nation, and we can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So God expects for you to do these things through the love of God. I have not yet read my scripture, but I want to say to you that this is a time of reset. I noticed when God gave me that this was a time of reset. Uh, the world took that. You see, the devil is, is not original. He is a counterfeiter. He is an imitator. He, he finds out what God is doing, and he tries to do the same thing, but he perverts it. He perverts it. And this is what I'm asking of all of you to not allow this time of reset and revealing to be a time of exposing for you. I'm asking that. I'm, I'm, I'm actually uh, pleading with you that this time of revealing, revealing who the sons of God are, but exposing who the sons of God, who the sons are not. Expo ex exposing who, who is not a son, but it is revealing who we are. In this narrative in Genesis chapter 4, uh, verse, verses 8 through 10, we have a revealing and an exposing. You see, the internet has become a, a place for every foul bird and every foul spirit. It, it, yes, we use it for good because we are right now on the internet, but there's so much foul going on there. And I want you to be aware of all of the foul things that are being... Uh, uh, expressed through internet. I find that false prophets are coming out of the woodwork and they have found the internet to express their false ideas. And many Christians, many Christians, too many Christians, or too many people in the visible church, I find very susceptible to that. And I ask myself, what have you been feeding on what have you been eating? Now, some of them have been eating good food, but as soon as they leave the building, they vomit it up. Yeah. Yeah. The, that's a sickness when you do that, when you gorge, gorge, and then throw it up. In Genesis 4, verses 8 through 10, we find a, such a sad narrative, as our sister Vanessa read so well. We find a, a, a very distressing narrative of a beautiful but uh, also an and horrendous story of two brothers. This is a sad story of two brothers. Now, and it reads thus, Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field. It's as though Cain said, Abel, let's go out into the field. Let's go out into the woods. It came to pass as when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Cain had ought against his brother. Cain was jealous of his brother. Cain hated his brother because his brother was a God pleaser and Cain was not. God had warned Cain, Cain, 
you be careful, son, because sin is crouching at your door. I want all of us to know that sin is crouching at our door. And, it, and Cain, Cain, as it were, lured Abel out into the field so he could kill him. And he killed him. Verse 9 says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? When God asks you a question, he is not looking for information because he doesn't know. When God asks you a question, that's a time to know that God is exacting something from you. God is requiring something of you. It is so strange to me that as believers, we allow the world that which is temporary, that which is passing away, to inform the permanent, the eternal. Believers, we are in, as it were, troubled waters. We are living in uncertain times. We need the love of God. We need the love of God. God loves us directly, and he also loves us indirectly through others. God loves loving us through others. Are you the kind of loving person that God is loving someone through? Or do you define love by yourself from your own resources? Or do you go to the resources of the Word of God to define love? That's the question. God asks, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. So he was lying. And when God informs you and then asks you to comment on the information and you don't give him the information, you're doing the same. And then you're setting yourself up, not God is setting you up. You will set yourself up. Today there are so many traps. There are so many traps I find for all of us. And I ask why don't my brothers and sisters see them? When God asked Abel, where is Abel, your brother? He was not uh, trying to entrap him, but he said, I do not know. Why would he lie? Perhaps God would have worked it out right there. Why did he lie? He asks this infamous question. This is an infamous question. Am I my brother's keeper? Why are you talking to me? Now, who would be so impudent to talk to God that way? I don't know. I'm lying to the Almighty before whom everything is naked. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? Asked him another question. What have you done? He didn't say, oh God, have mercy on me, help me. So God says, the voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. I want to say that our deeds and our misdeeds are crying out. And this is a day when you should take your salvation very seriously. Take your salvation very seriously. Do not define the Word of God by your experiences, but your experiences by the Word of God. Do not interpret the Word of God by the, the thoughts and machinations of your own mind. Do not define the Word of God by what you see and what you feel. You define the Word of God by the Spirit of God and the love of God 
that he has placed in your heart. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Wow. How do we know that we're saved? How do we know? This is essentially what he's saying. How do you know you're saved? Because we love the brethren. I know there are many of us who would say, God, I love you, but these brothers are hard. I know that. Come on, I know that. But 1 John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15 says, uh, uh, say, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. And so what John is saying is that if we, you and I do not love our brother, then we are still in death. Abide, remains, stay in death. Well, I, I, I know this is a kind of a somber message this morning, but I, my, I think my heart is heavy. My heart is heavy because as I see the visible church, and I know what I see visibly is not just everything there is, but when I see the visible church, I, I do not see the church that Jesus died for. I see Christians who are informed by the things of the world more than I see them who are informed by the Word of God. And I know that, I know, I know that there are many of us who are informed by the Word of God, but even some of us who are informed by the Word of God, occasionally we take a little peek into that world system and look at it, and then we quote those things. Let us be careful. You see, the reason I'm talking this morning is that God has showered his love upon us. He has poured out his love upon us. Yes, he's done them both. He has so poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So now the, the love of God has been spread abroad in our hearts. I remember a number of years ago, I, I, was, I, was, uh, I don't know what I was doing. Actually, it, I wasn't per se preaching, but I was in one of those wonderful moments. And uh, I saw the depth of the human spirit. It was, it was maybe 33 years ago. I saw the depth of the human spirit, and the depth of the human spirit was so great. It was so awesome, so amazing. It was as though it was an eternal thing. It was like an eternal thing. And so we need to understand that according to, to Luke chapter 12, verse 48, for everyone to whom much is given from him, much will be required. You see, God is requiring that we love people, even those on the Internet who are just acting nutty. He, he, he requires that we love them, too. And then our goal is to be a blessing to them and to help them from that deception. And I'm not at all insinuating at all that everybody who is speaking truth on the Internet is nutty. I'm not saying that. Those who speak truth, that's wonderful. Then we have a bulwark against the lies and falsehoods Amen. that are told there. Amen. Now, I'm saying that you and I are set forth to express the love of God to our brother. You and I are set forth, and in this hour, more than ever, we should be setting forth the love of God for our brother. Our brother means our sister as well. So we are to give love to them who need the love and not punishment, rebuke for those who need love. Not always that, but the love of God. The Bible says that you and I are to overcome evil with evil? Yeah. 
what did I say? Overcome evil with good. You overcome evil with good. So you can never overcome evil with, with vile speech. You can only overcome evil with good. Now, when you speak the truth, that's good. But I found that some of us, too many of us, cannot discern between the lie and the truth. I find that some of us can't seem to discern between the lie and the truth. And let me ask you a question before I go to the next point. Where is your brother or sister? Where is your brother? I want to ask you this morning, as God asked Cain, where is your brother or sister? The person you have had ought with and just walked away, placing blame on the other while excusing yourself, clearing yourself of all blame. Like you're always right. What a sin. What a sin. I'm always right. Even when you're right, God often requires that you go back and say, I'm sorry. How many of you, don't raise your hand, because somebody will be left out. <laughs> How many of you can honestly say in your heart, yes, that's what I do. When I know that my brother has a problem with me, I reach out, I reach out, I reach out. And then there's a point, I think, that the brother has to reach back. But when you exonerate yourself while accusing and condemning somebody else, that's not love. That's not being your brother's keeper, your brother's protector, or a shelter for your brother. God takes relationships ser relationship seriously. He takes relationship very seriously. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 20, uh, 24, Jesus says these words. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother, his sister, without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. So Jesus is saying, you don't have to just go through the act of murder. When you're angry with your brother, he says here, without a cause. Now, he means that there's some, there's some righteous indignation. But when you're angry without a cause, without something that God says is okay, he says, you are in danger of judgment, or you have murdered that person. I know we just skim right over that. But when you have this anger, because the anger that is in your heart that is unresolved will lead to murder, or can lead to murder. And Jesus says, if you have that anger, and you are harboring anger in your heart, then you're in danger of the judgment, or it's murder to God. It is really murder. Now, don't be silly enough to say, well, if I ever have anger like that, I'll just go ahead and kill him that way. It's the same. That's not what he's saying. Listen to what he says. And whoever says to his brother, Rekha, shall be in danger of the council. Now, I'll tell you what, I would have been in danger of the council because I think Rekha, I think, means like empty head, you know, empty head. You ever say, empty head or something similar? He says, you should be in, you're going to be in danger too. That's a bad thing to say to your brother. He says, I want you to love and cherish your brother more than that. Man. I've told you this a few times, but many years ago, the Lord told me, he said, he said that he wanted me to treat everyone, every, every believer with the same respect that I did the blood of Jesus. I know that almost sounds blasphemous, but that's what God told me. 
In other words, you are bought with the precious blood of Jesus, so I should treat you that, that way, that, that God thinks of you. And he says, whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. You can't call your brother a fool. Man, when I was a boy growing up, you could get some real licks on the backside. And if you turn the front side, you might get one or two there. You could not say, you fool. You couldn't say, fool. You know, in these texts, they could really say, fool. He says, whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Going to hell. Now, this is what he meant. In, 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 the, in the scriptures, hellfire is Gehenna. Gehenna. And there, it means the valley of Hinnom. And uh, there are people who say, well, it's not hell. And the universalists teach this. It's a lie that they teach. But what God did, see, Gehenna was a place where the city's refuse was burned continually. You know what I mean by refuse? Get, shake, shake your head because I don't know if I'm talking to you. Refuse means all of the waste, the human waste and everything was put out there in that place and it was continually burning. It never stopped because the human refuse never stopped. They were eating, so they had waste. And because it never stopped, God says, this is what you're condemning to. A place that burns and never stops. I'm saying, let's take God seriously. Amen. He said, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother or your sister and then come and offer your gifts. What Jesus is saying here in, in this story, Jesus is saying, don't come up and lift your hands to me and sing beautiful songs and reach in your pocket and give some tithes and have no love for your brother enough to try to reconcile. I called somebody yesterday with whom I had had all and they had had all. Oh, I, I called them because I had made it up a long time ago. When I called this person and I said, I'm so sorry for the problems that, was, that were with us earlier this year after having had a talk with my daughter and realized that I needed to make some things right. The person said, no, you weren't wrong. It was me. It was me. I said, it doesn't matter. I'm still sorry. So I, I didn't do it just once. I did it more than once. I checked up on them again to let them know that my heart is in the right place toward them. You, somebody in this house today needs to do that. Amen. Now, may the Lord bless you. I'm going to sit down. And we're going to receive communion in just a moment. They're going to pass the communion, communion, and then I'll come back. Now listen, before you receive the communion, examine your heart. Really examine your heart. And ask God to forgive you for having ought. Okay? Bless you.